You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Good morning and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon, and if you're tuning in for the first time, I'm the new host of Locked On Wolves. I've been one of the editors at Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves blog on the fan-sided network for several years, also contributing a variety of other places as well across the sports blog landscape. Today we're going to open with the recent preseason schedule release for the Timberwolves. As riveting as that may not sound to you, it's actually a little bit um, a little bit intriguing this year in terms of where they're playing, who they're playing, a little bit different than recent years past. Plus we'll talk a little bit about the roster moves that have gone down in the last couple of weeks involving players like Jordan McLaughlin, Mitch Creek, and Nas Reed, who were all part of the Las Vegas Summer League team that made it all the way to the finals. Then we're going to talk about the Timberwolves' depth chart as a whole and how it compares to last year's team. It's a bit of an extension of the over-under conversation that we started to have on yesterday's episode. Um, is this team better off than it was at the end of last season? Is the overall depth chart in a better or worse place? We're not necessarily going to go position by position yet. We're going to save some of those deep dives for a little bit later on. But it's an important conversation to have, especially on the heels of the over-under being released and my take on the previous podcast of, of that the Timberwolves likely going, that they will likely be hitting the over on that number. Our final segment today will cover the Timberwolves cap situation, whether or not they'll have in-season flexibility to make any big moves, and also whether or not uh, we'll touch on a little bit, could there still be any moves left this offseason? We are at the beginning of August, so the offseason is essentially over. Not much of significance happens from this point on, although... There have been some things in the past that have happened from this point on. And, hey, here, here's the thing. Twelve months ago, we had no idea that Jimmy Butler was, well, we, we had an idea he maybe was unhappy, but we had no idea that he was about to try and force his way out of Minnesota. So um, that is uh, definitely a conversation that, that we can still have, is, is could anything else still happen this offseason? Before we get into that, um, Wanted to let you know that the support of Locked on Wolves today comes from Manscaped, number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with promo code LOCKEDON. All right, let's go ahead and get into talking about the preseason schedule. Uh, basically, there's there's five games on the schedule. That's not all that unusual. However, four of them are on the road, and they are true road games instead of some past years where they've played games at neutral sites and they've been quote-unquote home or away um, games. They have four true road games, and all of their preseason games are being played in NBA arenas. No trips to Fargo or Bismarck or Des Moines or St. Louis, Kansas City, any of the other... Um, not-so-exotic locales that they've visited in the past as part of their preseason schedule. This year, there's four games on the road in NBA arenas, one lone home game at Target Center in the middle of that schedule, and it's against uh, Maccabi Haifa. I think I said that right. Uh, the Israeli team that just recently made its way back to the to the upper echelon of teams uh, by winning the championship in the second division last year. Timberwolves played them, I think it was 2012 in the preseason, and won by 20 or 30 points. It's understandable if there's any season ticket holders that wanted to see an NBA team, but then again, it's preseason. You probably weren't going to see any team's best players anyways, at least not for long, so you may as well see some international talent and probably some, my guess is that there's some former Division One college stars 
that might be on that team as well. So um, that, but the the lone home game on the schedule, no pseudo home games in any of these other upper Midwest cities on the schedule. The lone home game is against the team from Israel. As I mentioned, all the games are in NBA arenas. Um, they actually open the preseason schedule on the road against Ricky Rubio and the Suns. Um, I'm just going to pull up the schedule here and see exactly where uh, or exactly what that date was. But the second game on the schedule is going to be uh, opening, well, not opening, but the second game ever at the at the Chase Arena in uh, San Francisco, or Chase Center, excuse me, the new, the new arena there for the Golden State Warriors. Um, they open it against the Lakers a few days prior, but the Timberwolves will be the second game taking place at the Chase Center. Um, the first game, backtracking to the Suns game, is on October 8th. I believe it's a Tuesday, and then two days later against Golden State at the Chase Center. October 13th, back at Target Center against the Israeli team. And then uh, the preseason ends with road game at the Pacers and road game at the Bucks. And again, all four of those road games are in NBA arenas and are in our true true road games. So five total in a, in a span of nine games, or excuse me, five total games in a span of nine days for the Timberwolves in preseason. So a little bit of intrigue there, at least facing Ricky Rubio first off. First glimpse of him in a Suns uniform. Um, of course, there were some rumors in the offseason that the, he was a contingency plan for the Timberwolves if D'Angelo Russell fell through. However, Rubio got a sweet offer from the Suns and understandably inked that before the Timberwolves could get around to offering him anything in, in light of them not getting D'Angelo Russell. Uh, moving on, still related to the offseason, the Timberwolves recently signed Jordan McLaughlin to a two-way deal uh, about a week or 10 days ago after Summer League. He was the starting point guard for every game in the Summer League for the Vegas Wolves. He played okay. He had a couple of, of pretty difficult games. The, the game in the final, he shot something like 4 for 12 or 4 for 13, really struggled. But there were a couple games in the middle where he did play quite well. Timberwolves don't have much in the way of point guard depth. Um, more on that later, but basically Jeff Teague, Shabazz Napier, and that's it in terms of true point guards. Um, they've got some guys who have ran the point before, and they apparently will, will be using some, you know, Jarrett Culver, Andrew Wiggins, et cetera, running the point. But um, not a whole lot of point guard depth there, which, of course, is the opposite of the past couple of years for the Timberwolves. Um, all that to say, Jordan McLaughlin on a two-way deal, not super exciting, but uh, it makes sense from a depth perspective and somebody that the coaches obviously feel comfortable with. McLaughlin spent... Uh, the majority of last season with the Long Island Nets in the G League and um, had gotten some preseason looks uh, with NBA teams previously, I believe Dallas last year before moving on to the Nets. So uh, a little bit of NBA experience or at least professional G League experience there and NBA preseason experience on the two-way deal. As far as we know, that's the only two-way deal the Timberwolves have signed, and that's because uh, Nas Reed, who was reportedly signing a two-way deal, I think right before Summer League, actually was... Uh, offered a guaranteed deal after his performance at Summer League when he was very, very good. He projects to be a stretch five in the NBA, can play some four if he can guard you know, certain fours in the league. He was a one-and-done player at LSU, was a top, I believe, five-star recruit going into college and had a good year for a, a decent LSU team, but there just wasn't enough there defensively and, and wasn't quite in the shape that I think NBA scouts were looking for, so he did go undrafted. The Timberwolves were widely praised for getting him on a on a on a unguaranteed deal to go to to go to summer league and a, a potential two way, but then he did play himself into a guaranteed deal and it's modest. It's like eight hundred thousand some dollars for the first year, 
and then it becomes unguaranteed after that. But the Timberwolves have him locked up for up to four years, depending on how he performs early on, and expect him to spend part of the year in Des Moines uh, with the Iowa Wolves of the G League. We'll, we'll discuss him a little bit more moving forward as we get into the depth chart and we go position by position here in the coming weeks. Um, still plenty of time, of course, before training camp, so we'll get back to, to Nas. Um, lastly, Mitch Creek, who w- signed a pair of 10-day contracts and then a rest-of-the-season contract back in March and April with the Timberwolves. He appeared in the last game of the season, and um, it was the only game he appeared in with the Wolves at the uh, at the actual NBA level last year. He was around during the summer, um, played on the summer league team, started every summer league game, was apparently the the uh, the height of professionalism and is a great practice player, plays hard, has been around. He was in his late 20s, had played overseas, had played last year a little bit with the Brooklyn Nets and a lot with the Long Island Nets in the G League and um, seemed to be a favorite of, of his teammates as well. He signed back in Australia to play with an expansion team in the basketball league over there and uh, won't be in the NBA next year. It's not likely he's an NBA rotation player anyways. He, he could have had a shot at you know another two-way, maybe a two-way deal, more likely a G League player with the opportunity to get called up as an end-of-the-bench guy in the NBA, but he's almost surely not an NBA rotation player. So um, and given some of the quotes he had, he had given, it was on uh, actually one of the, the Australian League's website. He had a couple of quotes talking about not having any regrets about chasing his NBA dream. So it seems unlikely that he, it's unlikely he comes back to the U S it, it seems as though his plan is to now stay. He's from Australia, of course. So staying back in Australia, um, but happy trails to Mitch. And uh, you know, thank you for your time in Minnesota. I think, I think everybody enjoyed uh, watching a little bit of Mitch Creek in, in summer league. Um, there just weren't enough, not, not enough NBA skills there to, to help him stick on a roster, but clearly a lot of positives. All right, next we're going to talk about the Timberwolves depth chart, the players that are no longer on the team um, that have moved on, as well as the players that are new on the team. Just kind of a quick look at, hey, is this team going to be better than 36 wins last year, and is it realistic that they defeat that 35.5 win total put out there by Las Vegas a a week or so ago? The players that are out, uh, Derek Rose in the backcourt, Tyus Jones in the backcourt, and Jared Bayless. Um, on the wings, Cam Reynolds, Anthony Tolliver, and then Taj Gibson and Dario Saric in the front court. Um, clearly, the the biggest losses are Rose, Gibson, Saric, and Tyus Jones. Uh, no matter what you think of Derek Rose, replacing his minutes is still going to be a little bit of a challenge. He played in sixty some games last year. I don't have it right in front of me, but you know he's going to be hurt a little bit. He wasn't super efficient. He made like one of his last 30 or 43-point attempts on the season. So clearly there was a little bit of coming back to earth for him. It was a great revival season for him in, in last season in, in 2018-19. And he signed a deal with the Pistons this offseason. Replacing his production off the bench will be a little bit of a challenge, but he didn't play the way that the new Timberwolves are going to play based on what we know about Ryan Saunders, how he wants to play on offense, and also Gerson Rosas and the offensive coordinator Pablo Prigioni as we talked about in our last episode who led the summer league the Timberwolves are going to play differently this year um, and Derek Rose wasn't going to fit into that plan and and even though he shot a career best from three-point range last year the way he finished the year is a lot closer to what 
he's done for much of his career than when he had fresh legs at the start of the season. So um, Rose likely wasn't going to fit in and replacing his production. It'll be a bit of a challenge, but overall it's not going to be that significant of a loss in terms of the, the, the win column. The biggest impact probably is Taj Gibson, who started for the first year and a half of his Timberwolves career and then was sent to the bench in favor of Dario Saric uh, about a month or so into maybe six weeks into Ryan Saunders' stint as interim head coach last season. Taj has had his best season offensively of his career in his first year with the Timberwolves when the team went to the to the playoffs under Tom Thibodeau. And it'll be a loss simply because he's an outstanding team defender, a great teammate, and a relatively efficient offensive player when he touched the ball. And, and a good rebounder, too, the second-best rebounder on the team for the last couple of years. So he's the biggest loss, no doubt. He signed with the Knicks. Um, Dario Saric was traded to the Suns and actually didn't play all that consistently well, at least, with the Timberwolves after the trade last year. He did shoot very well from three, over 38%, but wasn't consistent. That was the biggest issue. Theoretically, he was a great fit next to Carl Anthony Towns, but he struggled enough on defense, wasn't consistent on offense, appeared at times to be a little bit gun shy shooting the three pointer. And for as, as you know, as many beautiful high, low passes that we had between Townsend and Sharich, it felt like there should have been two to three times more than there actually were. Um, so it's understandable why Rosas pulled the trigger on trading Sharich to the Suns, not because, and I wrote about this at Dunking with Wolves a couple of different times, not because Sharich isn't a good player and he is a good player, especially at, at his current contract, but he's going to be up for a contract extension, or he is now. Otherwise, will enter restricted free agency next summer. And either way, he's going to get paid as he's still young. Um, I believe he's still 23, maybe 24. Um, and he's going to get paid more than what he's actually worth. Could he still achieve his his potential and make the contract worthwhile? Absolutely. But the odds are he's going to get paid more than what his actual value is. So trading him to move up and get Jarrett Culver in the draft made some sense. That said, it's still significant rotation minutes that the Wolves are going to be replacing with uh, with free agent signings. Tyus Jones was the other major contributor that, that left. The Timberwolves had a chance to keep him in restricted free agency, but passed. Um, the way that the Jones contract was structured with Memphis was done so in a way that it would make it more difficult for the Timberwolves to match. So as much as Tyus Jones would have, it sounds like, based on what he said, loved to stay with the Timberwolves, it was also important for his career to move on to a team that is going to give him the opportunity. He he should get significant minutes with a team that's rebuilding in the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the few teams that will certainly be worse than the, worse than the Timberwolves this year. So replacing him, he, he is one of the best or was one of the best backup point guards in the league for the last couple of years. So replacing him won't be all that easy. Although, um, as we'll get to in a minute, Shabazz Napier is a is a worthy backup point guard, and the drop-off should not be all that significant. The other three players moving on, Anthony Tolliver, Jared Bayless, and Cam Reynolds, each had their turns in the rotation as kind of a top eight or nine player in the rotation last year. Um, Bayless had one or two great games, and then other than that was pretty, frankly, pretty terrible for the Timberwolves. Um, and uh, was not a uh, is not a realistic a realistically solid backup point guard option. He's more of a third point guard in this league and had was getting paid a, a crazy amount of money. Um, so he's, I believe, still a free agent and, and out there um, looking for a new team. Anthony Tolliver, everybody loves Tolly. Um, he was in his second stint with the Timberwolves and, you know, was a uh, was a requisite pro once again, despite 
it sounds like being promised, you know, a, a bit more playing time um, when he signed with the Timberwolves and he ended up getting, obviously, I mean, he was a regular part of the rotation early on in the season when Charge joined the club. However, it was him and Gibson getting those minutes and Tolliver was, was on the bench. Um, he had an okay season and I mean, there's no denying that he's a great three-point shooter. He shot 37.7% last year, which was, I guess, his lowest in three seasons, but still one of the better three-point shooters on the team. That's right in line with his career average. This offseason, the Timberwolves let him walk, and he signed with Portland. So the Timberwolves fans will get to see him a few times a year. I think Portland's something like his seventh or eighth different team that he's played for. So best of luck to Tolliver. It, it made sense that he moved on. Um and replacing him won't be as big of a deal just because of the lack of minutes that he did receive for much of the last season. And then lastly, Cam Reynolds, who was signed um, about two-thirds of the way through the season, initially, I think, to attend a contract, ended up signing for the rest of the year and played some pretty heavy minutes as the year wore on. I think he's an NBA player. He signed a two-way deal with Milwaukee. Um, after the Timberwolves cut him loose, he, he was... He signed a multi-year deal that was unguaranteed after the 18-19 season, and then the Timberwolves cut him loose in a cap move right around the draft. He was picked up by the Bucks and signed a two-way deal. I think he's an NBA player. He's probably a fringe rotation player that can come in and play for stretches, hit threes. Um, he was shooting something crazy like over 50% in the G League last year before the Timberwolves signed him um, on three-point attempts. I do think he can stick in the league. It was disappointing to me that they let him go, but looking at the way the roster is now, it's understandable, again, as to why they did that. So looking at the players that are on the team, Jarrett Culver, we don't know what he will be as a pro. Um, we didn't get to see him in summer league. He was the sixth overall pick. Clearly the Timberwolves think he'll be a rotation piece almost from day one. The veterans that the Timberwolves acquired, Jake Lehman, they got in the signing trade with Portland. He had his uh, career season last year uh, when he was a regular part of the Blazers' rotation as they went to the conference finals. Noah Vonley had the best year of his career with the Knicks. Last season averaged something like 8.7 rebounds or something like that and shot the three for the first time in his career, roughly league average. Um, so there's a little bit of upside there. Jordan Bell has only played two pro years, both with the Warriors, and was kind of on the fringe of their rotation. Has a ton of potential, um, not a not a jump shooter, but a lot of potential as a defender, and in some sense, uh, you know, can be can be that high low passer with Carl Anthony Towns that the Timberwolves would like to have, and, and also help him with with guarding some bigger players. Shabazz Napier will be the backup point guard. He's a solid backup point guard, different player than Tyus Jones more of a three-point shooter, shoot the ball at the rim, so basically fits exactly how Rosas is going to want to play and Ryan Saunders is going to want to play this year. Travion Graham, the Timberwolves also got in the sign-and-trade with the Nets along with Napier. He's more of a defensive-minded player who struggled from deep last year, will probably make the roster but not be a part of the rotation. We talked about Nas Reed earlier. He uh, will be on the team, probably spend some time in Iowa. And then the Timberwolves claimed Tyrone Wallace off waivers from the Clippers shortly after the draft. I think he's got a partially guaranteed contract at a certain date, um, roughly somewhere around training camp, the start of the season. I'd be surprised if he stuck with the team, as I think they're maybe one over the roster limit right now in terms of what they can take into the year for guaranteed deals. But he's a defensive-minded player that the Timberwolves probably feel can help them in that sense and from a depth perspective, and they can help him improve his offensive game. Overall, you look at the at the players out and players in, if you don't include Culver, and, and he's still a wild card as a rookie with clearly high upside, but we don't know what his floor is as a rookie, it, 
it's pretty clear that the players out have a slight advantage to the players in, in terms of overall talent and production. That said, if we're talking over under, you have to go beyond the players in and out and look at health and some of the issues that were encountered um, last season. The Timberwolves only got, I think it was 20, 22 games out of Robert Covington before he got hurt. That's probably the biggest, the biggest difference. Um, even Andrew Wiggins was hurt a little bit. You know, there's there's a few guys that, that hadn't historically been hurt. Even Carl Anthony Towns missed like three or four games um, in the car accident and some other freak injuries. He had never missed a game in his career prior to that. So you can't expect to have perfect health, and, and they won't. But just having Covington for the majority of the season is going to make a huge difference, and that makes up more than one win. And I don't think that the gap between the players on and players in is more than a couple of wins. So... All that to say, I think just strictly based on talent and the depth chart, this team is in the same neighborhood of wins as they were, as they finished with last year. Then also look at style of play. Um, the Timberwolves are likely to play with three wings this year instead of instead of two with a power four. They're likely to play a lot of time with Covington at the four. Rosas made some comments around the draft, I think after the draft in June, um, in regards to Covington playing the four and that he's played some of his best minutes as a pro at the four. So expect that along with some combination of Andrew Wiggins, Josh Okoge, and, and Jarrett Culver. The Timberwolves are going to shoot more threes. They're going to stretch the floor more often. Um, the only above-league average three-point shooter shooters that the Timberwolves let go this offseason, you know, Cam Reynolds didn't play enough to really qualify. Sharch was kind of right at that. He was above it with the Timberwolves, but overall for the year, only slightly above-league average. Tolliver's the only one, and he didn't have a consistent role in the rotation. Derek Rose had a career best year from three, but but that still was only about league average. Culver should be better than that. Lehman will be right around that. Vonley will be right around league average. Napier will be above that. Um, so they added a little bit of shooting, um, but I'm going to bet that they shoot just a lot more threes than they ever have. Um, so that's going to help as well. So in, in a nutshell, the, the team's not clearly better from a depth chart perspective, but given Towns' improved health and overall improvement, excuse me, given Towns' If Towns stays healthy this year and continues to improve as he did last year and tick upwards on defense, continue to get even better on offense, this team should win more than 36 games. It's probably, as I said in the last episode, a 40-42 to 42 win team. Um, and the wing depth went from a weakness to a strength. There's roughly eight guys on this roster whose best position is the two or the three, maybe nine guys. Um, so there's a lot of depth on the wing. They don't need a ton of depth in the front court with Carl Anthony Towns, but they've got some with Towns, Vonley, Bell, Gorky Jenks still on the team, um, and Nas Reed now too. So th- they are fairly deep. Point guards are really the only position that they are that they're have some issues, and especially if Jeff Teague were to get banged up again. But all that to say, it's it's tough for me to look at that 35.5 and, and, and say that the Wolves won't be an over. So I, I wouldn't be wringing my hands about, about the Timberwolves' depth for this season. They're, they're going to have some issues, but I don't. I don't know that the team got markedly worse over the offseason. All right, the last thing we're going to cover today is the Timberwolves cap situation moving into the season and whether or not they could have the flexibility to make a big move, whether it be now, before the season, or potentially during the season. As it stands right now, the Timberwolves will have roughly $22 million coming off the books next summer, the summer of 2020, not counting a modest option on Kata Bates-Diop or a handful of restricted free agents, but they all have fairly nominal 
salary numbers tied to them, even as restricted free agents next summer. Of that $22 million that will be coming off the books, of course, 19 of it is Jeff Teague's contract that will expire next summer. The Timberwolves will surely be looking to trade him during the season. Not immediately, unless they're getting a point guard in return, as Napier is the only other natural point guard on the roster. But and also at, at 19 million, Jeff Teague isn't an attractive trade chip necessarily. Last year was easily his worst season as a professional. He played just over half the games, was injured the whole year, took some time off early. He had nagging injuries and then was more seriously injured as the year went on. And it was his worst year statistically since his rookie season. And he's now 31, I believe. So he's not an, he's not worth 19 million, certainly. But perhaps if the Timberwolves are out of it, and if they aren't going to be a playoff team, perhaps they can find a team at the trade deadline that would want to take on his expiring deal, Jeff Teague's expiring deal, and maybe add him to the roster for a stretch run. As you know, if there's a team with a point guard injury or a team that feels like he can be an effective backup. Personally, I don't think he would be a very good backup, but maybe there's a team that that's willing to make that leap. The other possibility is that there's a rebuilding team that wants that expiring deal, although expiring deals aren't necessarily what they once were in the NBA, could still be worth something to someone. So no doubt that's what the Timberwolves are going to be trying to do. But worst case scenario, he's still on the roster come next summer, and that number expires, and so do a couple other small deals. Noah Vonley has a couple million dollars on the books this year, um, and the Timberwolves will have a bit of space. Additionally, Gorgie Jang has one year after this one, so he's got 19-20 and then the 2020-2021 season left on his big contract. It's about a little over $17 million that'll come off the books after the 2021 season, so that summer. He could be a trade candidate next summer. So if Teague's $19 million expires or if the, tw- the Timberwolves trade it for other expirings, then maybe they can trade Gorgie Jang's deal. He's worth even less than Jeff Teague, likely, in today's NBA, but maybe somebody takes on that $17 million that wants him in the locker room that has a, a dearth of front court players, and the Timberwolves can move him. Suddenly, if you move that $19 million of Teague and then Gorgie Jang's $17.2 million, you've got plenty of cap space to grab a max player and then some. So there, there's a possibility of all that happening. All that to say, it's pretty unlikely that there's a big move this year before the February trade deadline for all the reasons I already mentioned related to Jeff Teague. Next summer is definitely more likely. That's a little bit of a tease. We'll be talking next week on the podcast. We're going to take a break over the weekend here and be back with you next week on Monday morning. But could there be one more move that the Timberwolves are able to make this this offseason there's a there's a couple of big name all-star caliber players players who had were who have been all-stars recently that could still be had in a trade we'll talk a little bit more about that next week again the obvious caveat is it is unlikely that this happens especially in august or september of the offseason but there's the possibility and as long as the timberwolves have a guy in the front office in gerson rosas who is going to be aggressive and has stated he'll be aggressive and comes from a front office in Houston that was extremely aggressive, and he knows they're going to have problems signing guys to max deals in free agency next summer or the summer after that. The best way they're going to get a player is, is via trade. Look at the way that Houston's gotten most of their max players. It's usually through trade, whether it be Russell Westbrook this summer, James Harden 
prior to that, Chris Paul prior, you know, in between. There, there's been a number of moves that Houston made, and, and many of them were, were via trade, as that's often the, the best way to get the most bang for your buck rather than overpaying guys in free agency. So there's a real possibility that, that, that that's what Gerson Rosas has in mind. Again, unlikely it happens in this offseason. Unlikely it happens maybe at the deadline in February. Next summer is, is one to watch for sure. Um, and we'll go through those 2020 free agents as we move forward, but there's, there's plenty of them that are going to be out there that the Timberwolves could take a look at if they do end up clearing that cap space. That's all we have for today, though. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you for listening to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on the biggest stories. We'll be back on Monday, as I mentioned, with a look at the one, maybe two, potentially big move or moves that may still be out there for the Timberwolves this offseason and whether or not the Wolves are even interested. I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.